to another fantastic episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty, and with me, as always, is a man who was once actually held up in Rio, Mr. Drew Celestino. Uh, and that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And I defy, <laughs> I defy the Rio authorities to prove me wrong. They're corrupt anyway. Yeah, they're, they're, you know... There can only you can only push them so far when it comes to tales of corruption and and crime and cops not getting paid and stuff like that before they say no more enough. We're taking a stand. <sighs> Would you say enough's enough and it's time for a change? Quite possibly. So would Owen Hart, but he's dead now. Oh, yeah. I wow, know. you went dark real <laughs> quick. Yet I shouldn't have because it's just been an amazing. I don't know if the, if the day is 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 the right is the right uh, word for it, but it's been an amazing uh, afternoon for me. Well, so. it's been now. Normally, dear listener, uh, we go a week between tapings. Yeah, we should probably yeah set we, the uh, stage a little bit here. <laughs> Both Drew and I will be out of town this weekend. Ironically enough, different plans but kind of going to the same place more or less it's weird twilight zone music is going off in my head exactly we are Uh, new york bound yes you are going to new york city proper yes i'm going to staten island staten island uh we're going to um uh williams my son williams godparents are renewing their vows after 15 years so manny and vicky congratulations guys we love you and look forward to seeing you this weekend uh, but yeah, it's Wednesday night. No, Thursday night. It's Today Thursday. Is yeah, Thursday. originally we were going to do this Wednesday, but something happened, so we're doing this Thursday. And technically, it's the day after you heard the episode prior to this one. Yes. So weird, weird. and <laughs> different location. Oh my gosh! Typically, we record in Drew's Cobra Island Studios. That's correct. Hey, you got it right. All yeah, right. Look at that. Uh, today we are in my. I'm, you know what? I'm going to call it Monte Carlo Studios. That'll work. Because I always wanted to uh, to build my own podcast studio, and to do that, I came to the conclusion I'd sell my father's Monte Carlo, which I do not have the time or money to restore, and I don't think he'd have much of a problem with that because he would not want that to be a drudge on the family. Um, but ironically enough, have not found anyone to... Well, not ironically, it just kind of, kind of sucks I haven't found anyone to buy it yet. But aside... All sides. Sides. So yeah, it's a uh, short short turnaround time from the previous episode, but yeah. we're, uh, we're on the ball. We're going to be good. So Drew, how was your somewhat less than week? Well, hang on. Before we do that, you're going for a uh, wedding vow renewal situation. Oh yeah, what are you going for? I am going for NXT Takeover. That's that's wrestling for all you out there. But I don't uh, know you like wrestling. You never talk about I know. Wrestling. I never talk about wrestling. You never do. Um, specifically, I'm going to this event. It is the premier event of the weekend, if you ask me. WWE SummerSlam. Uh, can, it's the day after at the same venue at Barclays. WWE takes the arena out for the full weekend. So they, they run NXT Saturday, SummerSlam Sunday, Raw Monday. It's hmm. like the second biggest weekend next to WrestleMania for WWE is SummerSlam weekend. So you will be in the Brooklyn. I will be in Brooklyn. Uh, my, my best friend lives in Manhattan. So I'm landing in Queens, it's taking the subway Queens. into the city. Uh, we're going to get lunch. I'm going to putz around the city for a little bit until he's done with work. We're going to reconvene, 
shoot back out to Queens to go to uh, a brewery, um, Single Cut Brewery. They're a fantastic brewery, and all their beers, and their even the name of their brewery is uh, Guitar rock and roll related so um that they win some points with me for that i'll tell you i'm gonna say all of this again next week anyway so maybe i'll save a little bit but specifically um saturday nxt at uh barclays specifically shinsuke nakamura versus samoa joe in the main event for the nxt championship i made a vow that i would be wherever that Whenever he's in a position to win a title in the WWE, I would be there. Nice. Here I am. Um, any possible trips to Midtown Comics? Midtown's always there? a possibility because it's easy to get to in the city, either location. Yep. Um, you, sir, are going to Red Bank, I believe. Or are you going to attempt? Maybe? Uh, that's going to be tight. That's going to be tight. I thought I was going to be able to make a trip out to Red Bank, but... The ceremony, as it turns out, I thought starts later in day. Turns out ah, starts at like twelve thirty. Gotcha. So probably not going to be able to make it to Yestercades, which uh, is a fantastic. Like literally, if I went to Red Bank, I wouldn't so much go anywhere else but Yestercades. No, yeah. uh, Jay and Silent Bob secret stash. Not I your- went there once. It was it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Just okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I figure I'm I'm of the age, maybe you are too, where comic shops need to be very, very, very exceptional to really win. I, I make a point points. whenever Julie and I travel to, if we're going someplace I haven't been before, I try to find a local shop just to check it out. Yeah, just to kind of you know toss them a little business, whatnot. Sure. Um, but yeah, but no, Yestercades is a fantastic retro arcade. They have all the old arcade machines you could ever want and they're all set to free play and you just pay by the hour funny you should mention that i'm gonna try and make it a point to go to a uh, barcade in manhattan when i'm there there's a few locations now the original is in williamsburg in brooklyn but there's a few in manhattan now so oh. barcade is a bar that's an arcade same idea you drop a flat fee all the games are on free play so if there's a mortal Kombat 2 machine there uh it's going down <laughs> I am laying claim, and I am laying waste to everyone. So uh, that's nice. the weekend coming up. But today, though. But oh, what to, happened But today, today though. You, see, you don't even need a, a semi-weekend review. You just need to talk about today, because today, we are, Drew is happy. We are talking about today, my Why friends. are you so happy, Drew? Tell the people. Well, Let I've been on the glory. All right, so here's the deal. One thing I cannot relay just yet to the dear listeners, but I can possibly tell you after the, sh- after the show. And I will. Let's just say between the hours of 4 and 5 o'clock today were, personally speaking, unbelievable. It's a sequence of events that just I can't believe happened. But it happened. So I'm feeling pretty good. So the one thing I can't tell you, I'm going to put that to the side. Maybe you'll hear about it later. Maybe you won't. The other thing... Um, is very important to me. I know I talk about wrestling a lot here on the show, which is weird because mm-hmm. I didn't really ever think that that would come up as much as it does, but it's a thing I do every week, and I guess we Make you no ask. apologies so. for your passion, sir. I don't. I just Anyway, one of my biggest passions, pro- to be fair, probably my biggest passion in life. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, is music. And I play in a band, The Long Cold Dark, as we have mentioned on, on the show. Um, I, I've been to many, 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 many concerts in my lifetime and many more in the future. And one band in particular is like religion to me. Uh, 
That band is Metallica. Now, somewhere out there, listeners of this fine program just either like shrugged their shoulders or rolled their eyes. Some might have threw their horns up in the air. You're my people, okay? All the listeners are your people. Metallica is my is my jam. Has been since I was itty bitty Drew. I'm still itty bitty Drew, but I'm older now. Okay, um, older, wiser, not taller. That's correct, unfortunately. But in any case, uh, my biggest influence personally, my biggest influence musically, at least in my own mind. Although my my own band doesn't necessarily reflect that, but in my head, it's there. Um, being a Metallica fan in the year 2016 is a little difficult. There's a lot of reasons why, but one of the biggest reasons why is their last studio album came out in 2008. So has it, been that long it has been anger? that long since Death Magnetic, wow. my friend. Oh, Death, Death Magnetic. Mag- that's okay. correct. So it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while, and oh boy, has it been just uh, difficult to wait that long. Metallica, being a Metallica fan is difficult. I'll get to that in a minute. The point of all this is between the uh, the time of four and five o'clock, my phone lit up, lit up. Because I was in my car. Got in the house, and oh, my Facebook page was torn asunder because Metallica has dropped a new single, announced their new record. All of this is happening now, right now. This doesn't happen often. The last time this <laughs> happened, it was eight years ago. And I, and I don't want to sound morbid, and I don't want to sound, uh, 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 you know, Knock on wood, wherever wherever you are, find wood and knock on it, okay? Metallica has been around since 1982. The band, the band members are in their 50s now, and I wish them the best of health. They are all they are they are all in good health and I am grateful for that. They are still out there doing their thing, kicking ass, taking names and I am grateful for that. It's been 8 years since their last record. This might you never know, but the more time goes on, the more I am cognizant that it could be the last record. So mm. the last time there was this big swelling of hype and anticipation and all the thought processes that go along with a new Metallica record and everything that means to me was eight years ago. So I am like soaking this in right now and it feels fantastic and I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm beaming. I'm beaming. You, you are glowing, sir. I have a, I have a glow. I have a hue. I I have not heard the new single yet. Give us a little quick little review of it. Uh, I'm guessing you've learned listened to it at least four times. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, have it on repeat. What can I? It it's uh it it's if you if it is not a, a far throw from Death Magnetic at all. So which was a good album. It's a fantastic album, and it's it's much like that that record. It's fast. It's thrashy. It sounds like Metallica. Um, the production is better than Death Magnetics. I think they heard some criticism for that record, and they tightened it up a bit, and everything sounds nice and crystal clear. Um, it's a, it's a, audio technology has advanced a little in eight not, years. No, but there was there were there. It's, I don't want to get into it, but basically there were some things sonically on Death Magnetic that people took offense to, and I, not unjustifiably. But the new one is uh, very tight, very crystal clear. Sounds great. Nice and sh- short. Three minutes. Just over wow. three minutes long. It's normal song length. Seven-ish Metallica for Metallica. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, um, that's, that's, it's, it's good. It's a riff factory like you'd expect out of Metallica. Like, James Hetfield is the god of riffs, and it, this is no exception. Um, 
so with hey it's three minutes and it's new metallica it doesn't sound like a lot but it is a lot because it's just it's new it's exciting it's a shiny new toy and it is indicative of hopefully the whole thing to come in november so it's it's exciting i am very excited very nice so all that said (laughs) uh i'm yeah it's it's hard being a metallica fan uh, which is it sounds like a dumb thing to say but you know what as a fan because they are the biggest band like ever uh mm. let's put the beatles aside for a moment and let's just talk about in the modern age i think there's still some in between the beatles and metallica mm. stones yeah but like and the stones should anymore? give you hope for a continued yeah 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 you just, know, metallica. Let's, just, let's just keep this in mind the largest selling band in the SoundScan era is still Metallica. The Black Album is still the best selling album of all time. Just so you know. It's, <laughs> they still sell 5,000 copies of it a week. Somehow, someone in the world doesn't have it yet. Listen, I, I get it. I mean, my favorite band of all time, who I never thought would be together again, are out there touring right now, well, Guns N' Roses. some of them. Enough. Enough to be able to call them Guns N' Roses. You've got Slash, Duff, and Axel. Fair enough. And Fair enough. I believe Izzy is with them as well. Fair enough. The thing so, is, you can tell me anything you want. There's no rationally speaking to me about this, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, but no, when I say it's difficult, it's because there are just so many... The reactions I'm getting to this new song are just hilarious in a lot of ways, and it's People just, are hating on it? Well, no, it's... <sighs> okay, here's the thing. People that hate Metallica, this isn't going to change your mind. Metallica is a very divisive band, and if you metalheads especially who hate Metallica, th- th- dude, they got their they the the cork sniffing is so strong with these people that it doesn't matter what Metallica does, you're never going to win them over. But the people that actually like have had that traditional attitude of oh Metallica sucks now, they were better back then. Those people heard the song and were like oh it's wow, it's so it, it's co- it's refreshing to hear Metallica like sound like that again. To these people, I'm sitting here thinking. Did you not hear Death Magnetic eight years ago? Because this is pretty much that. But no, because the Metal Police are a fickle bunch, and I loathe them. (laughs) I loathe them. And uh, it's just cool to hate on Metallica. It's cool to hate Metallica. It's cool to say Lars Ulrich sucks and can't play drums. It's cool to say Kirk Hammett sucks and can't play guitar. It's cool to say James Hetfield sucks and can't sing. These are the metal people that say all these things. I, I would never say any of that. Because you're not in the metal police, and that's why we're friends. <laughs> I actually listened to Death Magnetic just the other day. All Nightmare Long, my favorite song. That's a great album. song. I love yeah. that song. Anyway... Yeah, that's happening, and I'm just I'm I'm on pins and needles, and it's it's everything's coming up Millhouse, dude. This year's going to be insane for me. I've, <laughs> everything's I've, coming up Millhouse. I'm monopolizing the conversation. I don't care. Uh, this in this calendar year of 2016, many of my favorite bands have put out records, and it's been just I'm on a ride. It's Joe nice. Satriani put on a great record. Gojira put out a, a album of the year contender. Meshuga has a new record coming out in October. Metallica has a new record coming out in November. This, where am I? Rumor has it Tool has a double album coming out this year. I'll believe it when I see it. It's been a decade. But, hey, if it happens, oh, my God, just shut it down. Shut the world down. At 2017, don't bother. Just let the meteor hit because everything is done. It's done. I never got big in Tool. Well, I can't help you there. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, awesome. that's what's up. Yo. What? 
You're so happy. You're so like bouncy and happy. This is what Metallica does to me, dude. If I did any other podcast, I've I would do a Metallica podcast, strictly Metallica. That's Metallica all I talk cast. about. Yes, something like that. Cool, cool. How was um, your few days? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can measure up. Uh, no, I can't. Um, uh, pretty much like Sunday at the Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Now I am I am going to go on a little rant about something I am passionate about. Rant episode. Who doesn't love Kurt Russell? Only stupid people don't yes. love Kurt Russell. That's that's a fact. Kurt Russell is just awesome. Yes. My all-time favorite Kurt Russell movie. I know this. I know is, the answer to this. Is easily a gentleman in the front row with the beaming smile on his face. Uh, that would be Big Trouble in Little China. Johnny, tell him what he's won. Uh, I, I, I'll, I, give, I'll give you a hug after the show. That'll work. That, that's your prize. Uh, so Sunday, I'm uh, waiting for my loving wife, Julie, to pick me up from Nickel City Con. And I'm just, you know, going through the Facebook feed and whatnot, and uh, one of my friends posted that he had gotten a new game. I'm talking a board card game. Yeah. Now, for those of you not know, traditionally how it works here on The Devil's Due is I go over to Drew's place on Friday night. We lay down the awesomeness that is our episodes that we thank you very much for listening to. And then we just kind of chill out and play games for a little while after. It's afterwards. nerd game night. It's a fun time. Our good friend Alan comes over. Alan Waiters. And, you know, among others. Um, I recently started to purchase some games because I felt the need to contribute game night to the game night. Game night does that. And my friend posted on his Facebook feed that there was a big trouble in Little China legendary game. For the uninitiated, the legendary game, uh, there is a Marvel legendary and it is there's a marvelous of, there's like predator legendary wow that's and, niche yeah. oh my gosh seriously there's like pre- <laughs> i think there's predator aliens there's a couple of them that's cool out there the marvel one is huge though yeah there's, there's a awesome lot of expansions for it oh, for marvel anyway um so yeah i saw there was a big trouble in little china legendary game and i'm like oh we will be purchasing that <laughs> And then, sure enough, Wednesday, I, I got fortunate that uh, David Adams Carbro, where I pick up my comics every week, got in a shipment. Uh-huh. And I was just like, yoink! Plot has thickened. Getting this. So, yeah. I'm a little... This this has made me a little bit bummed that we're not on a regular uh, schedule for this week. So I'm kind of like, we got Samurai Spirits that we have to play. Yes, we, we do. got this now. I want to play them. Next week. Next so, week. yeah. Yeah, next week. Um, so, yeah, other than that, we're just kind of getting ready for a trip. Our awesome niece, Alicia, is going to be house-sitting slash dog-sitting for us. So, should have a good time doing that. Other than that, it was, um, yeah, since there hasn't been a lot of time in between shows... Not a lot has happened. But the, I, my, everything I just went on a terror about was was an, an hour today. So <laughs> an I'm hour trying, of your day. I'm thinking back now to the past few days, and if anything of uh, of note has happened, um, an hour of your no, day. Nothing. Nothing that I want to discuss. <laughs> an, an hour of your day consisting of news that you were drawn to on social media, which is a great hey, place for news. Look at that segue. Smooth as a baby's butt. And you know what that's like. I got a baby. There you go. I got an awesome baby. I love my son. Uh, I'd hope so. (laughs) I am kind of stuck with him for the next 18 years. Yeah, legally. Minimum. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to contact us 
on the at, here at the Devil's Do. We have multiple social media outlets where you can do so. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Devil's Do Pod. Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod or just search the Devil's Do on Facebook. Or you can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com and Drew. We have some listener questions. Oh, my God. We do. And they're not from Jay Gelsomino. Whoa. Even though, Jay, we love you and we miss you. We're missing the questions. Uh, but we love you, most of all, not just because of the questions. What if I told you that Jay told me he sent us some questions? Is, so, he, a, is he a liar? He sent them to you? No. Or did he send them to the... I was under the impression that we received questions from Jay. Did Jay lie to me? It's possible he did, because unless Jay is operating under an alias, our questions this week come from a Mr. Tom Fenzel. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this last name right. Fenzel. Sounds right to me. Seems legit. Okay, so (laughs) here we go. First, he sent us a couple questions here. First question is, will you guys be doing commentary on the Jessica Jones series and the others? Most likely, yes. Most likely, yes. Uh, because we are not getting another season of Daredevil until 2018. We've got plenty of time to fill. After we complete uh, this season, season one, we're going to do a couple one-off episodes. We're going to, like we mentioned before, we're going to do a fun little uh, recounting of Trial of the Incredible Hulk. We might get into <laughs> some like Daredevil video game appearances, things like that. Some yeah, fun yeah. little episodes here and there. And then we're probably going to pick up with Luke Cage. In real time. Well, relative real time. Yeah, because that will be brand new. And then we'll probably do Jessica Jones before getting into Daredevil Season 2. Could do that, yeah. Which will probably lead us into Iron Fist. Hey, we're we're playing this by ear, man. Yeah, we've got... uh, got plenty... Netflix is being good to us, as we've said before. We've got uh, plenty of good material to go on. Yes. Next question here. Mm. Uh, what new comic book are you guys reading that is out of this world? Ooh. I think I might have mentioned this on, on the show before, but I'll, uh, you, you think, I think you asked me. So um, top of my head, uh, Saga is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Lazarus is great. Um, I should always point out the creative teams on these. Uh, so Saga is by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Um, if you like any of these books, look up these authors and their artists' other work because that's that's the key to enjoying comics, folks. Follow the creators you like because the odds are they're doing great work elsewhere. Um, don't necessarily follow your favorite character because that can get dicey sometimes. Anyway, uh, so Saga's great. Lazarus by Greg Rucka and Michael Lark is really good. Um, Paper Girls by, uh, uh, again, I think it's Brian K. Vaughn. That guy can write himself some comics. Uh, it's a great series. Um, boy, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, there's so many. I think, um, I think we all have that one character we follow no matter what. Daredevil and Punisher are my big two these days. Then have been and traditionally. So Cap traditionally kind of follow. I had to let go of Cap after Brubaker left. It just got too... It, it got tough. I'm sorry. What was that, Remeter? I, I didn't quite hear you. He yeah, stayed stay you, with, you with the whole... Yeah, you heard me. Remember, remember what I said about following a character, King of Dicey? <laughs> the Rick Remender run on Captain America got real dicey. Uh, comics I'm reading there, Ross World. Um, the book, my book of the year last year, which surprised a lot of people, is still a very good book that I'm enjoying every month that comes out, is the Mark Wade Archie book i'm not surprised by that mark wade man he's a great writer it's just i i 
it's just solid. It's really just enjoyable, wholesome storytelling. Um, I'm really, I know you're going to roll your eyes. I'm still really enjoying DC Rebirth. Okay. Uh, probably the best book of that is either Green Arrow or um, Superman. Well, good for, I'm happy two. for Superman to have, to have a quality title. Lord, yeah. He needs it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, those, yeah, those are the two that are, that are really sticking out. I'm, and I should point out, man, I'm forgetting so many. Well, yeah, but. I, I, but top of my, oh, Descender by Jeff Lemire. Also a very cool book. If you like science fiction, if you like Mass Effect, um, No Man's Sky, Star Trek, uh, Descender is is super cool as well. So the next question here from Tom is, will you guys watch the new Spider-Man cartoon and talk about Power Man and Iron Fist? I believe Tom here is referring to the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon that's currently playing on Disney XD. Ah, I've never there hasn't partake. Have not partaken. I haven't been able to keep up with it since we uh, kind of cut the cord on cable. Okay. And they don't. They haven't been funneling the new episodes to Netflix as of yet. So, overall, answer uh, probably is no. Okay. What about Power Man and Iron Fist? What is that? Uh, they're, on, they're in the show. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Younger versions of them because, you know, we can't have... They kind of all go to high school together. Oh, my God. And Phil Coulson's the principal. While they're all training with S.H.I.E.L.D. You're, you're not selling me, dude. <laughs> what the hell is this? But hey, at least, um, what's his name? Guy who plays Phil Coulson actually does the voice of Phil Coulson in the show. Clark Gregg? Yeah, he does. That's awesome. It's kind of cool. That's cool. The show's not horrible. Uh, there have been much worse Spider-Man animated shows. Okay, fair enough. See Spider-Man Unlimited. Oh, I haven't, so I won't. It was, it was bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, will you guys do a commentary track on the old Daredevil movie? Yes. Yeah. I'd like to say yes. Yeah, we will. If not if not a commentary track, we will definitely devote an episode to it, bare it, minimum. To be fair, a commentary track after a few beers might be a, a great quality podcast entertainment. I'm not I'm, opposed to that. I'm just saying. <laughs> So the, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put that out there sometime somehow. We'll okay, get, we'll get to that. That's all for Tom's questions. Tom, thank you very much for sending those. Yes, questions. Yes, thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. Tell so, your friends about the show, please. Yes, please, folks. If you follow us on Twitter, if you like our Facebook page, thank you very much. Uh, we're noticing that we're kind of starting to build a following. Yes, our our posts are getting more and more likes and more and more uh, notices. Uh, we're doing our best to promote the show, but we need your help. Anytime you see us post something about a new episode, please retweet that, share it, tell your friends about the show. We think we've got a good thing going here, and we just hope that we can uh, count on you to help us spread the word about the show. That's right. All right. We're so, here for you. Be there um, for us. <laughs> I don't particularly have any news or reviews to do. Hmm. Again, it's been a short week, so it's been nothing. A short week. I have some sad news. Sad news. Saturn. I'm Kenny still Baker beaming, so it, I, I'm you know I'm, I'm in a great mood. All right. There was one little bummer that that did come out this week though, and Bring I'm it uh, down. so uh, one of my favorite comic books is coming to an end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That that is definitely news. Go go fire away, sir. Uh, unfortunately, Robert Kirkman, creator of such things as The Walking Dead, as I'm sure you all know. Well, while all y'all have been going berserk on The Walking Dead for the last few years, and it's been getting all the attention, the, uh, in my humble opinion, Superior book has kind of uh, flown under the radar, but that's okay because it's fantastic, and I urge all of you to read it. That would be his book, Invincible. Um, Invincible is coming to an end uh, in about 14 issues from now. Robert Kirkman is wrapping up Invincible. 
Mm. He came to the conclusion that um, the book itself is, is it's, it's, it's a fantastic superhero title. In my opinion, at its peaks, it is... It it really was the best superhero comic going, and the tone of it was everything that I wish Spider-Man comics were at the time, and and those comics were not. And Invincible was awesome book. It plays with all the superhero tropes you know, but it does them in really clever ways, really clever writing, and pulls no punches. Um, it's it's a very very cool book. Easy. To, it's easy to get into. The characters are great, and the, and the, the neat thing about it is they all grow over time. And it's kind of the point that Robert Kirkman made when he said he's ending it. Every character has grown. Every character has changed. There has never been a reset button. He didn't want to leave the book himself and put it in other people's hands and have it just kind of be rehashing old ideas or, you know, taking all the toys out of the blocks and then putting them back in only to have them taken out and put in the exact same place again. Like the kind of monthly comic cycle that we're in now with the big two. Yeah. He didn't want to do that. He felt like that's not what Invincible has been about historically. So he decided that it is time to bring it to a conclusion. How many issues will it conclude at? Uh, oh, 144? I'm, that's <laughs> off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but I think that is, uh, I think that's right. That's a hell of a run for uh, a creator-owned comic book, um, which, to be frank, when he started it, there was absolutely no guarantees that book was ever going to last 12 issues, much yeah. less as many as it has. That was kind of before Image had its renaissance that it's had. That was before he became the editor-in-chief at Image Comics. Yeah. He, so. But on the backs of Invincible and Walking Dead, Kirkman Rose... Walking Dead obviously became a whole pop cultural phenomenon, but again, yeah, yeah. Uh, Invincible um, was very, very, very crucial to the success of Image and its creator-owned uh, success in the last five to ten years. So, if you have the means, I, I urge all of you check out the check out some trades of Invincible. It's it's, it's widely available in trade paperback. Um, it's a great book, and if you'll notice, all of the trade paperbacks are named after '80s and '90s sitcoms. <laughs> and in the early goings, sort of a slight spoiler alert for you. Um, Mark Grayson, our, our hero, also known as Invincible, goes to Reginald Val Johnson High School. <laughs> and the principal looks just like Reginald Val Johnson. That is awesome. It is, and it was, and it still will be in back issue form now. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a bummer, man. It's a bummer. But it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Let, um, let's wrestle some papers. Let Let us wrestle. Oh, we're wrestling the paper now? No, I said Russell. Russell. Because I'll wrestle. I don't care. Bringing out the notes. There are the notes. Because we are getting into a mighty fine episode of Daredevil. Well, they're all mighty fine. This one is a pretty... pretty... The whole point we're doing the show. Because the show is awesome. Yes. This one, though, might be a little more exceptional, maybe, than the the other. This is... uh, This is... Easily within the top three episodes this season, in my opinion. Okay. Shall so, we dive in? We shall dive Let in. Let us dive in. This week, episode eight, episode entitled Shadows in the Glass. Hmm. Like how I said that? Yeah. Like we do in my uh, mysterious, almost horror introductory voice. Are you going Orson Welles on us here? <laughs> 
bargaining posture is highly dubious. Yeah, I'm quoting Unicron from Transformers the movie. That's ain't, right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. At least you know what it is. He didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rosebud. <laughs> Hot Rod. Oh. <laughs> okay, so. We open up with Fisk. And as I wrote down, extreme close-up! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> We're so 80s and 90s. That's kids. okay. Yeah, no. It's a good time. Wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Fisk uh, apparently having a little trouble sleeping. Appears to be a haunted man. He, we open up on an episode of him waking up from what appears to be a very restless night of sleep. Yep. And or not sleep in this case. Yes. And turning to look, as he has mentioned in previous episodes, at the painting he purchased from Vanessa. Yep, yep. As he mentioned previously, is the first thing he sees in the morning. Now, uh, we see that Fisk is, yes, he does live alone, but he's very capable. Oh, he's capable. Uh, he, he doesn't, like, have a ton of servants or anything. No, like, no, no. you'd maybe expect a, a man in his position in life to have. He's very solitary and very self-sufficient. Made himself a nice omelet. Yes. It's a lot of prep work to eat by, by yourself. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Mm. Kind of felt for him. Or something. So he goes into, after eating some breakfast, he goes mm-hmm. into a very nice closet. Yes. I might add. I'm not normally a clothes person, but if, like, if I had a closet like that, I'd do my best to keep it nice. And, I, I'd, I'd put all of my band t-shirts on hangers, just like he does with his suits. <laughs> So he's getting dressed and turns to check himself out in the mirror. Well, I, I should note, he has lots of cufflinks. He does. He has, I don't even own a pair of cufflinks. Let alone many cufflinks that would necessitate a cufflink rack. Yes, which he has. A drawer in this case. Ironically, though, he always wears the same ones. Yes, which he had mentioned in the past are his father's. Correct. Now the mirror. I'm sorry. Now the mirror. Not to cut you so off. So he turns and looks himself in the mirror and... Oh, hi, small boy whose face and chest are all bloody. To be fair, it's a rotund boy. It could be frosting of some kind, perhaps some kind of slushy syrup. Red velvet? Yeah, sure. Um, It becomes very evident very quickly that Fisk is looking at a younger reflection of himself. Yes. And this is how he sees himself still to this day. That's correct. This episode, I think, is very... As we'll find it, this episode, if if you thought... You couldn't put a finger on Fisk's portrayal thus far in the series. Yeah. This episode will show you, and, you, and then it's like, oh, it yeah. all kind of clicks here. Like we've said, this this first season is just as much an origin story for Fisk. Absolutely. And an evolution of Fisk as a character as it is for Matt and the others. Yep, definitely. Um, because, like, coming from the comic background... We're, this is not the portrayal of Fisk we're used to seeing. Not quite. We're no. used to the cold, confident. Uh, you see hints of that in episodes leading up to this, but it's clearly not who he is completely. Not yet. So uh, he goes out today to do his business, and then we cut to Matt's place. Observation. Yes. Go he, ahead. Now he too is rustling from asleep. Yes. Those aren't silk sheets. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Yeah. I was like, the whole big deal that Stick made in the last episode over Matt sleeping on silk sheets, and those are clearly not Unless 
Matt took it to heart and took the silk sheets off. Quite possibly, or maybe like a crushed cashmere, crushed velvet sheet, possibly. I, I, I don't know. Other thing I noticed in this scene, yeah. uh, you know, we talked about Stranger Things last week and yeah. the 80s feel to it. Yeah. Matt's alarm clock seems very, like, old model 80s. Could be. Just had that kind of font. and. To be fair, I don't know what accessories for the blind typically look like, so maybe that's common. That's a good point. I am not familiar with the uh, the blind accessories. Don't feel bad. They don't know what they look like either. Dude. I, I'm just saying. Dude. I'm just saying. That's mean. They don't have radar sense like Matt does. It's not a thing on fire. <laughs> okay, so we see that Matt's place is clearly still trashed um, from the fight with Stick, but at the same time, we don't necessarily know how much time has elapsed between that and now. Could have been days. Could have been days. Let the Most, place just be a yeah. mess. Who cares? Yeah, but we also see that Matt, you know, still has the bracelet. He he's, does. He's holding on to it. Holding on to a little bit of hope. Get that hug from Stick. <laughs> oh, man. Cut to the office. Cut to the office. And we learned something about Karen here. She can't make coffee. Can't make coffee. To be fair, you think it's easy, but... It... I just do the K-cups. Well, that's the ultimate and easy. Um, well, yeah. The number one secret to making coffee... Don't use cheap, crappy coffee. That's, that's, I got Maxwell House. Dude, you're done. Get out. Get out of the kitchen. You're done. Here's a, Check this out. Slightly different Devil's Brew episode here. Put the Folgers away. Put the Maxwell House down. Get yourself some fresh ground beans, some kind of arabica, maybe maybe some dark roast, maybe some maybe some espresso roast, Italian French roast. That's uh, all good. Italian things. roast is predominantly what I drink. And if you can get the bean and grind it yourself, man, and you will be, trust me, you'll, you'll be in good shape. See, and I, don't put too much in. Some it's like if you put too much in, it's gonna. But then again, then again, if it's good coffee, it might not matter. But if you're putting like, well, I want my coffee strong, and you're, and you're like I said, you're drinking Maxwell House, so you load up on it, you're just distilling more bad in your cup <laughs> yeah don't See, do that I, I drink one maybe maybe two cups a day i'm a two cup a day guy um so that's yeah. why that's why i just do the k-cups like i got my barista prima brand uh italian roast i like it there you go good enough that's what i need so yeah but karen apparently cannot make coffee and karen and foggy are discussing uh, whether or not to bring Matt into the fold with Ben right. in the Union Allied investigation. Little benotes them, Matt is probably hearing this entire conversation as he's m- making his way up to the office. Which they remark that he's blind like a bat. Wink, wink, a nudge, nudge. Bat man? Perhaps. But Matt is quick to point out that bats are not actually blind. Right. But neither Fog. is he. See, yeah. See? Yeah. Well, he is, but he isn't. Right. Uh, Matt's clearly not in the mood for jokes. No. He's not in no. his normal jovial mood. He doesn't want to see his friends get hurt by going after these people who clearly have intention to hurt them. And even before that, you can tell he's just not in his normal Matt mode. He's like clearly still preoccupied with what happened with Stick. Correct. So, yeah, so they finally tell him. They say, you know, we're working with Ben Urich. Uh, Matt kind of, I would say, scolds them for operating the way they have been doing, saying we need to operate in our arena, which is the law. Right. And work 
within the confines of that, says the guy who goes out and technically breaks the law every night. True. Yes. But with great power comes something, something? Great responsibility. Hey, look at that. He can't, you know, Foggy and Karen can't go out at night and, and bust <laughs> Russian heads, but Matt can. Hey, hey, Foggy busted heads last episode. He, he got the drop on him. He still busted heads. Sure, fair enough, but, you know, when, when it comes down for the big ninja throwdown... <laughs> You're saying Foggy's getting picked last in gym class? Yes, actually, okay. that's exactly what I'm saying. All right. So now we cut to a meeting between uh, Nobu and Fisk. Nobu is understandably very upset that he has lost Black Sky. He points out that Black Skies are very rare, and they don't know where they're, where or when they're going to be able to find one again. Right. Fisk is quick to point out that he lived up to his end of the bargain. No cops within 10 blocks. That's yeah. all he was asked to do, and he provided his service. And he said, you know, had you communicated to me how important the package was, something more could have been done. Correct. But I should, we, even though he, he kind of, you know, puts Nobu in his place a little bit with his end of the bargain, he also backs down from yes. Nobu. We probably see Fisk back down more in this scene than we have the entire episode to this point. Uh, I'd say in the whole episode, this is all everything's not everything's not exactly coming up roses for Fisk for Fisk right now, or Millhouse, or Millhouse for that matter. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, so yeah, but Nobu flexes a little bit of muscle. Fisk doesn't necessarily kowtow to him, but definitely kind of he backs off a little, slumps down a little. He bit. apologizes to yes. him. I mean, it's you know he doesn't pull a power move and, and he he kind of yeah he backs off yeah. And it's very clear also that Wesley does not like Nobu. No. Well... He mentions that he doesn't like how he talks to them. Wesley shows a little... Uh, Wesley has compassion for Fisk. He's very... Yeah, I guess Because that's they're the not word. just business associates. No, they're, they're close. They're friends. They're yeah. legitimately friends. But Wesley seems to also understand that within that friendship has to exist also the employer-employee structure. Sure. For, no, I, for lack of a better term. He doesn't overstep his bounds, as it were, but yeah. he definitely has a very tight bond with Fisk. And this comes into play later as well. Yes. Spoilers. <laughs> In about t- 10 minutes, not even. So, guess what time it is, Drew? <clears throat> Flashback time. <laughs> Flash. Uh, specifically to the, back to the past. Very 70s, I, I would yes, say. Yes, yes. We're flashing back to, one could argue, Marvel's heyday. Uh, Late yeah, 60s, early yeah. 70s, Marvel is new and vibrant yeah. and fearless and creative. Yeah. And this is kind of the, the heyday where all that was happening. When Marvel Comics Group was splashed across the top of the entire book on the front. Yes. Love that. So we have a flashback to the 70s. We are meeting Fisk's young Fisk that we saw earlier all bloodied up. And we are meeting his father and mother. His father, who is currently running for political office. Yes, but not for noble intentions. No, we see very quickly that Fisk's father is a prick. Yeah, basically that. He's basically a huge prick. Uh his no, his intentions are to get elected so that people can put money in his pocket. Yeah. He doesn't want to get elected to serve the public. He wants to get elected so the public will serve him. But I should, uh, well, and that, well, hang on, before I make the parallel, he then offers Fisk 
uh, a sip of his beer. Yes, we have more childhood alcoholism in this episode. I noted that myself. Now, I should point out, and this is something that I noticed more so this time around watching it than I did originally. Um, I think we've talked before how both this whole season is basically a build-up and an origin of Matt, but it's also a build-up and origin of, of Fisk. Not only is it that, but these two characters' trajectories and upbringings are eerily similar. Mm. Although, Matt's father, I think, is a little more uh, well-intended than Fisk's, obviously. Yeah. However... More willing to sacrifice self over... Correct. Whereas Batlin Jack wants Matt to be smart and stay in school, and he's going to teach him right for wrong, yeah. and tries to get him to avoid fights and avoid taking punches to the face for a living. I th- Fisk's I th- father is more of the... I want you to do good and be a king. I want you to do good and be strong, but you, to do that, you have to take it out of people. You yeah. got to sh- punch them in the face and don't let anyone talk down to you. Yeah, I think you can definitely draw parallels. I probably wouldn't go so far as say they mirror each other in their upbringings. I think they're kind of inverted. It's it's kind of like the upside down, if you will. <laughs> Going back to Stranger Things, a little bit, it. but very similar, similar origins in a way. Yeah, um, we also see that. Uh, you know, the mother is the one who has the realistic concerns for the family. You know, how are we paying for this political campaign? And a name comes what up. Yes, what I failed to write down there. Rigoletto? Yes. Is Am I wrong? Was that the yes, gentleman that uh, bought off the Batman check? No? Mm, I I don't remember. The name rings a bell for some reason. I, th- I wrote that down. Was it the same guy that paid off Jack Murdoch for the fight? But I could be wrong. It's possible. Dear listener, if you know the answer, by all means, tweet it to us or email us or Facebook us. You can do all that. We'll answer you. Yes, we will. In this case, though, we're asking you to answer us because we want to know. You can't remember at the point. I can't. So, yeah, um, Fisk's father says he took out a loan from Rigoletto to pay for all this, and we see that the Fisk family themselves are struggling with some bills. Yep. Probably, you know, the mothers, one of those mothers is kind of trying to hold everything together by the skin of her fingernails. Father's doing everything he can to not be very helpful with that. Basically, huge prick. Yep. So we flash back to the future. <gasps> I watched that the other night, by the way. I had it on the other night. It was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> it's great. Great movie. Um, the uh, the cop, not Frank Grillo, not Frank Grillo, Blake. Uh, okay. Uh, wakes up Whatever. from being shot. And Fisk and Wesley are concerned that even though he is not communicating at this point, he could rat them he out. He may be soon. Well, when you get shot on Fisk's orders and survive, you might want to tell you people have about a it. Sour taste in your mouth. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. So yeah. Um they're trying to figure out how to make sure he doesn't talk. That's correct. Now yes, there he's under heavy guard, which I found kind of odd well, they, that he was under such heavy guard being just a cop who was injured. and He's a cop that was shot by the man in black, and it's a high-profile case, and they think that he might come finish the job. Yeah, okay. Can, you feel me? I, I feel you there. So, Fisk asks if, for all the cops there, I think he says there's like six or seven cops. He asks if any, are any of them ours. Two. Two of them are, obviously not all of them, and they're not on his door. Mm-hmm. Not guarding the door. But our good friend Brett Mahoney guarding the door, as it turns out. 
but we find that out later, and then they realize we can get to him through his partner. That is correct. Wesley voices a concern that his partner might not be so eager to do that, because even though he's one of our cops, they've been friends for... Long time. Very long time. Very long time. Through the academy together and all that business. Yep, and then we uh, we jump back to Nelson and Murdoch quickly, and we see that the team is kind of grinding away at finding out everything they can about Union Allied. Uh, just kind of going through the records. Not, not Putting things think, together. Yeah, I don't think anything. This is kind of just exposition. Nothing really significant happens in the scene. So They're, they're running the trail on yeah. names, and yeah. yeah, you get the picture. So we will jump back to a meeting between partner and fisk and wesley yes and to quote the ancient philosopher uh, mr ted dibiase oh everybody has a price that's correct they do but i can't do that laugh nobody can do that nobody laugh. can do that that laugh. is one of the all-time great laughs absolutely um, um very literally he he lays out the situation. He plays it cool. He says, you know, I know you guys are close. I know you're friends. Um, the bottom line, like, how long have you known him? And the, and the, the, the cop like tells him, like, 30, years. Four, 32 years, something like that. And Fisk point blank asks him, how much are each of those years worth? In nice, round numbers. Yep. I'm just currently right now looking up the name of the cop because he's going to come up a bunch in this episode. And for some reason, his name escapes, escapes you. It does. Yes. Well, then we cut to Hoffman. Well, well, Officer Hoffman. Hoffman. All right. How many times am I going to mistakenly call him Hoffert? Uh, none. We love you, Mike. I, I got your back. <laughs> okay, so um, we cut to the hospital. They're at the hospital. Hoffman. That, see, you're doing good. You're fine. <laughs> Hoffman shows up. He's got a brown paper bag with him. It's a Sammy. It's a, it's a hoagie. Be- sub. Meatball grinder. sub. It's a meatball sub. Hero sandwich, as they call it in New York. Why, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. Maybe yeah. you're a hero if you can finish one. That, I, dude, I'll put on a sub like that. Like, <laughs> tear a sub You guys up. don't know in New York. You, you I'll, tear, gotta, I'll take a sub out. Buffalo. Our food game is legit. That's why we're all overweight, my friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh. So Hoffman meets Mahoney at the door. Mahoney checks the bags. He's just sub. Hoffman's like, eh, you know, maybe the scent uh, will trigger something. Right, right, right. It's his yeah. favorite place. Or because Hoffman's a doctor, he knows. He knows stuff. things. Yeah, Doctor Hoffman. <laughs> um, but he gets. He goes inside. Closes the door. Yep. Spoilers. It's not just a sub. No. He unwraps the sub. Oh. And inside the sub, it's <gasps> a plastic bag. <gasps> with a syringe. Dun, dun, dun. It's like mom told you with the Halloween candy. You had to inspect yeah, it first. You got to check there that There could stuff. be a needle in there. There could and be a there needle And there was. Was there ever a needle in any of your Halloween candy? No, of course no. not. Razor blades and apples? How does that even work? I think once I think once I like legitimately got something, it was like a bag of mixed fruit and like trail mix. Okay. My father noticed was ripped open a little bit. Turns out there was like BBs in it. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you poop those out. You'd be fine. <laughs> the broken teeth that would come from trying to chew them, however. Well, you, you know. Yeah. You'd live, though, is the point. So Hoffman uh, brings out the syringe and injects it into Blake's IV. Now, he questions, uh, 
he, he does it and says, I'm sorry, man. And then dude wakes up and says, like, what are you doing? Question for you. Because, spoiler alert, Matt's right behind him and puts dude in a chokehold and, yep. and, and chokes him out for a minute. Did Matt let that happen? Um, no. I don't think they established that Matt was behind him the whole time. I think Matt probably just arrived. Okay. I, I, there, was, I, there was no establishing shot that Matt was, like, lurking there in the shadows. Okay. Because right. clearly if Matt was lurking there in the shadows... He would have acted sooner. All right. So he probably right. just drive. Also, I notice using the Billy Clubs now. He is. Billy Club Matt. Sissy. Like Billy Club Matt. Stick uh, awoke the uh, the fire there a little bit. Yes. So, okay, so the poison does his trick. Blake dies. Well, before he dies, Matt goes up to him and says, you're dying. I can't stop that. It's all, that's that whatever he pumped into you is already going to your heart. Yes. But what, what you, you can. can do is help me nail the guy who did this to you. And we find out, well, basically the gist of it is that Blake, before he dies, gives up some dirt on Fisk to Matt. Matt escapes because obviously there's a commotion in the room. As the guy dies, his monitor's going off and whatnot. Yeah. The block door is kicked open, the cops get in there, but Matt's already gone. So yep. there you go. And then Hoffman is able to pin the murder of Blake on Matt. Right, 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 right. Now we cut to a fun location. Yes, very fun location. We've waited a long time, listeners, to get to this location because whereas it's not a quote-unquote big location in the show, it's a location rife with Easter eggs, uh, little hints and nods to the comic book all over, and we meet for the first time. We've heard him mention one other time before, but we meet for the first time, although very briefly, Mr. Melvin Potter. Also known as the Gladiator in comics. Yes. Gladiator is actually one of Daredevil's earliest yep. villains. Uh, first appearing in Daredevil number 18, and he was created by Stanley and Mr. John Romita Sr. Legend. Both. Both. Yes, yes. correct. Uh, so, one of the fun little Easter eggs that we see in uh Melvin's workshop is that he has a poster up of gladiators. Yes. It's like made to look like an old gladiator movie, but what it actually is is a mock-up of the first appearance of gladiator in Daredevil comics mm. and Daredevil and gladiator is there in his costume glory. Um, and the, obviously the Daredevil has been replaced by a generic Roman person. Cool. And we also see saw blades all over the yes. place. Uh, gladiator employs saw blades as his primary weapon. Along with cool mask, uh, yellow shirt. Questionable Ooh. yellow shirt, but a cool mask yeah. and saw blade. <laughs> we'll, we'll post a picture of the character after this. Yeah. So we'll to give you an idea. Uh, but yes, this is a very important character. Yeah. That's going to not have a ton of screen time, but the screen time he has, he makes count. He's one of the guys behind the cool stuff you see. So yes. when he shows up, cool stuff is happening. So... And and just so you know, more cool stuff will be popping up in his in his workshop as the, as the season goes on. Just yes. just so you know. Uh, this time though, he is working on a suit for Mister Owlsley. And let me ask you something. Yes, if you picked up on this, sir. What uh, did you happen to notice? What color the suit that he was working on for Mister Owlsley was? No, it was green. Aha. Uh-huh. fancy that. Yes, another little Easter egg here, folks. In the uh, in the comic books. Uh, this is this is one of those instances. I wouldn't necessarily say it's rare, but it doesn't happen all the time. To which a uh, live action, 
kind of reinvents a character and improves on what they were from what they are in the comics. Because if you were to look at the owl in the comics as he is, you're going to see a bad, as far as visual design goes, a bad Wolverine ripoff in a suit and fair, cape. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an owl guy. He's another one of Matt's recurring villains. He comes in and out of power as the kingpin comes in and out of power. I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, I should ask you, though, because Owsley makes a lot of mentions about his son. Yes. So, my question to you. Is Owsley, as he is portrayed in this show, the owl, as, as we like to think we know? Or maybe, just maybe, is his son someday going to enter the picture and be the owl we know? I think it's definitely a possibility, considering okay. what happens to Leland later Spoilers! on. Spoilers! I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> um, that would definitely give his son motivation, and we're not given a lot of background as to what his son does or... Like what his profession is. Let me let's 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 put that in our pocket. Yeah. And let's follow gonna, that. Let's just gonna tuck it away. Let's let's uh, we'll pull that thread when the time comes. But I want you to pay attention to mentions of his son as the season goes on. Uh, seriously, just 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 do that for me. Um, we have some friction here between Fisk and Owsley. Again, continuing oh, yeah. the trend in this episode of things not necessarily going well for Fisk. No, and I think of of all his, I wouldn't go so far as say subordinates, but partners. Fisk has the least amount of tolerance for Owsley. Well, because Owsley's kind of... I don't want to say he's a pushover. He's a knowledgeable guy, but he isn't yeah. strong, per se. Yeah. Um, and he also is very uh, cranky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like that. Owsley's weapon is numbers, not fists. Correct. Yes. Now we get another flashback. Another flashback. Um, so baby Fisk or whatever, junior high Fisk, Proto Fisk, Proto Fisk is eating cake because he's sad because he got beat up by a Not bully. just any cake. Red velvet cake? Zupa. What? Remember the dessert that him and Vanessa had at the, the their first date oh, in the restaurant? Wow. His mother fed it to him. Look at that pull you missed. I didn't realize that. Full circle. Now I could, Circles um. being made. I guess so. Oh. As As dad remarks, man. Mom's making him fat. Yeah. Kids. If if mom's uh, solution to a problem is to give him a piece of cake. Don't emotionally eat, friends. That's, that's my message to you. Don't eat when you're emotional. It's bad. It's, it's a bad habit. You, don't bad wanna, you do want to do it. Do some push-ups or something. Smoke a cigarette. You know, something. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that either. <laughs> Read a comic book. Do some push-ups. Play some video games. Don't, don't eat a piece of cake. Listen, kids. You don't need to smoke cigarettes. Just chew a piece of gum. It's what Johnny does. It's what you should do, too. Oh, Drew's looking confused. Like, he kind of knows what the reference was, oh, but doesn't man. quite remember. You're going to tell me I'm going to kick myself in the ass. That'd be uh, Johnny Dangerously. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. You're going way deep into the Keaton Files. The Keaton Files are rich. Yes, they are. And Johnny Dangerously is one of my favorite entries into the Keaton Files. You shouldn't hit me, Johnny. My mother hit me Once. <laughs> once. Don't make me start quoting multiplicity, because I will. I don't care if people think that's a bad movie. That's a, that's great, a great movie. movie. They, thank you. We're going to eat a dolphin. <laughs> we're going to see a dolphin. You're going to pet one. <laughs> I got a wallet. Uh, what? I like pizza. <laughs> Michael Keaton, everybody. 
my queen. Yeah. All right. So, okay, so I just lost my, okay. So yeah, flashback. Uh, Mom's compassionate. Dad has a temper. Dad, not so much. So he got beat up at school for well, not so much at school. He got beat up by a kid who was knocking down his father's campaign posters. Campaign's over. Dad Campaign's lost. over. Dad lost. People are making fun of him. So Fisk got beat up for sticking up for his father. Correct. So his father yanks him out of the house. We're not there yet, though. We'll get to that, I think. Okay. Right? No, that's... This happens now? Yeah. Oh, my notes are incomplete. Okay. So father brings him out of the house, and then we find the kid uh, who did the knocking down signs, apparently, entertaining himself, as apparently kids did in the 70s, by hitting a bottle with a baseball bat. Yeah, see, th- you know, not, not, not that I'm defending what's about to happen, but this kid seems like trouble. Yeah, he seems like a punk anyway. He does seem like a punk, but you know what? My father and I, we did a lot of bonding over certain things. Beating up a kid was not one of them. Well, you're not an offensive line coach for the Buffalo Bills, so you wouldn't do that. Yeah, I don't get that reference. A Buffalo Bills offensive line coach beat up a kid over some uh, deck chairs last summer. Oh. Him and, him and his kid went up and beat up another kid because, over deck chairs. <laughs> this is a thing that happened. Uh, the Bills. Another reason why I'm beaming today, by the way, uh, today, as I wait every year in, 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 in glorious anticipation... <laughs> It's like my Christmas almost in the off season. Today was the uh, the Bills entry of the Deadspin Why Your Team Sucks 2016 uh, um, feature. Love it. Just Live a couple it. Quick highlights. Why do our beloved Buffalo Bills suck? Are you kidding? Year? I could go on for I could go on for a while. The air team is bad. Having said that, um, New Era Field is the new name of the building, of the yeah, facility I where got they play. No problem with that. I have no problem with it. And from now on, we are officially calling it the Nerf. <laughs> They called it the Ralph for all this. No, Ralph is gone. I'm I'm glad the Bills it is the moved nerf. into the 20th century of NFL and selling the naming rights to the stadium. I'll be honest with you. I don't like naming rights. I, I find them grotesque. Meh. I just, just call it something, and that's what it is. It's a civic place. It should have a civic name, and that name is the name. It's when these buildings change names every five years that I get annoyed. It's like it's it's the same place. Don't tell me it's something else. Oh, I know on. what it is. If it wasn't for the naming rights and and uh, buildings changing names, we wouldn't have the Effin Center. Uh, we don't have the Effin Center anymore. We have the Key Arena or whatever the hell they're going to call it now. Seriously? Yeah. First Niagara is done, dude. Key bottom out. I will always call it the Effin Center. I will always call it Green Midland Arena. <laughs> Wasn't it really a Crossroads Arena? Right? Originally, yes. Yeah. We're talking about where the Buffalo Sabres play. I still call it the odd. Anyway, <laughs> back to the episode. Uh, so, yeah, the Fisk's father confronts this kid, and he's like, hey, at least I put myself out there. And What have and you ever then, done? Yeah, what have you ever done? And then just like, you know, the kid turns to leave and accidentally hits Fisk's father in the head with the bat. And then Fisk's father just grabs him, throws him to the ground, like, doesn't full-on hit him with the bat, just kind of, kind of, eh. buttstock hits him with the bat a couple times, like, thrusts him. He his face him. a bit. He does. And then he makes Fisk kick this kid while he's down. This is, this is quality parenting right here. Yeah, the, the level of parenting is, is second to none. Kick him. Yeah. Kick him again. Yep. So then we see that, not so much flashback, this may have also been part of a dream, 
uh, Fisk's, again, we have a replay of what, how the episode opened up, Fisk waking up. And we see that uh, this time around, Fisk is very regimented. Oh, yeah. Because he does the same thing this time they did before. Same Makes meals, same prep. Yep. So, yeah, it's there's not so much a joy in it in that, you know, this is what I have to do to get through my day. It's a routine. Yeah. That's routine. okay. I'm a creature of myself, so, you know. So, Fisk has another meeting. Yes, but not in a location that he would prefer. No. Madam Gao comes to his place. Yes. And Wesley informs him of this by phone, and Fisk's demand is like, can you get here? And he's like, I'm already on my way. Can yeah. You get, can you get here before she does? Get you know, I'm on the way. Okay. Well, they're there. She's, he made tea for her, and it's good stuff from China and all this stuff. All sorts of stuff goes down. Now... Here's where Madame Gao uh, reveals all, sort of. Yeah. It's not, not reveals all, but she, she, she makes her intentions pretty well clear. So Fisk is uh, being translated, you know, through Wesley to Madame Gao. As he has been for the entire show up until this point. Right, and how he, has, how, how he has been with his associates all this time as well, the Japanese and, and, the, and Madame Gao. And Madame Gao says, I know you understand me. Yep. Don't play games with me. She, call, she basically calls him on it. She basically says, I know your shtick. I know your routine. You're, she, it's smart to play stupid. And she says this in English. Yes. To Correct. point out that not only do I know you understand me, but I want you to know that I understand you. Right. So now Wesley is asked to leave, which he reluctantly does. Yeah. And, and Fisk asks Gao, how many languages do you speak? Um, she says that she speaks all of them. Yes. She is fluent in over six million forms of communication. Uh, I, I can't vouch for that, but maybe. <laughs> I don't know if she speaks bocce or not, but she could. <laughs> um, now she remarks to Fisk, you are distracted. And yes, you're letting things, sloppy. you're getting sloppy. And emotional. And emotional. Now, can I point something out to you before we get to the big Fisk uh, blow off here? By all means. She remarks to him that he's getting sloppy and he's getting emotional. This sounds familiar because this is what Stick told Matt in our last episode. Once again, these two characters are following a very familiar and 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 common trajectory. All right, very very valid point there, sir. Because Matt too is clinging to his friends and his mentor says, "You need to bury that. They are going to yeah. hurt you and you're getting sloppy. You're you're, and- you're too soft." And Gao says to him, essentially, put your house in order, Yep. or it will be put in order for you. Correct. Yeah. She says she will cut him out and do- deal directly with the Russians and uh, the Japanese, if need be. So she politely leaves. And Fisk flips a table. Fisk throws a bit of a temper tantrum. We Can- see Fisk kind of in a way that we saw Fisk in the first episode we saw Fisk. Just this time he does not have a Russian set and a car door to work with. No, no, but his own table gets gets tossed. Now, if, in his defense, man, um, how many days of my life have I wished when at work that we had an office set up with a desk in it that I just... At any point in the day, I could go in there and just fully flip stock, the desk over. Fully stocked desk. Absolutely. With computer and everything. Absolutely. And I just go in there and flip the desk over in a violent rage. And that is and that is the sole purpose of that room. That's all it's there for. Yep. No, no repercussions. No reprimands from the boss. Go in there and do it. I wish I had that. Yeah. We should I open do. a business solely for the purpose of putting that room in the business. 
Might be out of something here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We can we can provide a service. We we set the you room. You know you can get like old IBMs for like a dollar. We set it up. You tear it down. There you go. We'll come in after hours and set it back up again for the next day. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll be honest with you. So, yeah, Fisk. Fisk has a huge blow up. Wesley, you know, tries to see if there's anything. He just shouts at Wesley to get out. He He's having a full-on uh, meltdown and just wants to be left alone. Well, which he, he, he well, does. Well, we, we got, we've got our flashback to go through, sir. Very poignant flashback. Before the flashback, though... At least according to my notes. I I took very liberal notes on this episode, so. Um, according to the sequence I have here, before we get that flashback, Wesley knows Fisk is angry, so he brings in Vanessa. Then we get the flashback, because she asks him what is so consuming him. Yeah, I might have just gotten that out of order. It's a quick. Um, it's a quick cut. Yeah, we see again Wesley operating more as Fisk's friend. Yes, exactly. Than his employee. Yes. Um, understanding that the current state that Fisk is in, he Wesley cannot necessarily do anything for him. No, but he knows that you know Vanessa can have an effect on him. Yes, calm him down. So he brings Vanessa, and then... Then flashback. Yeah, then they start talking. We were brought to another flashback, which probably is the key flashback in this episode. Yes. Because not only is this, like, the final flashback of the episode, I think... Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, this is the flashback that explains the painting. Yes, it is. Because all this time, we've seen Fisk wake up and look at this painting that he has bought from... Uh, Vanessa, and we've seen this painting before in the episode. Now, I am by no means an art critic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this painting is an abstract. Yes. Very much so. Just kind of like off-whites here off and there, whites. a little bit of grays. Yep. It's called Rabin the Snowstorm, if I remember correctly. That is correct. We see this in painting is important to Fisk because Fisk's father brings him into the house from beating up the kid... And sits him down in front of the chair and tells him, stare at the wall and think about the man you want to be. And That's the correct. wall looks just like the painting. Yep. So at this moment, first time watching, you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Mom All doesn't... Comes together. See? Mom doesn't take kindly to this this whole shtick. No. And on top Mom of that... stands up. Well, on top of that, he said he's got to go out to pay Rigoletto. It's like the... And it's it's late. Yeah. Is he's got to go and talk to Rigoletto. Right. paying him. Right, right, right. And the mom's like, what's going on? Do we not... Like, is something wrong? And She's concerned. Yeah. He doesn't care. And then the belt comes off. Yeah. She kind of gets a little snippy with him, and he decides to show her what's what. Yeah. Now... As this is happening, Wilson snaps. Yes. Well, kind of. He he he, he mans up. Yeah, because he for a, first a while he's not really doing anything. No, he's and staring at hearing, the wall. You're hearing the brutality of the beating. Right. Uh, Wilson stands up, grabs a hammer. Dad's the nail. Yeah, basically that. Yeah. Boom! Back of the head twice. Oh, he. And then after that, he goes Mel Gibson and the Patriot on him. Um, yeah, yeah. I would also accept uh, Ed Norton and Fight Club uh, uh, on Jared Leto's face. Yes. Okay. 
Judges will accept that. Yeah. So the mother stops him. And this, I think, is the turning point in Fisk's life. Well, here's the thing. He killed his father. Yes. And as I write down, savage. Brutally kills his father. Mom says, get the saw. Yeah. All of a sudden. More savage. You're like... (laughs) Because this is, this is the turning point in Fisk's life, because this is the opportunity where his mother can show him love and compassion and, you know, show him the right, right way of doing things, the wrong way of doing things. No, well, mom's just like, get the saw. We need to clean this up. To be fair, she is showing love and compassion, but she and, and she's showing that if she calls the cops, they're probably going to take Fisk away. They're probably going to, you know, take him out of the house. He's going to end up in foster care or something like that, or, or something, or juvie, or who knows what. She's protecting her son, basically. Yeah. Now, it's twisted, but that's, you know, she's acting out of concern for him. I, I have a note here that Fisk never had a chance to be good. Not exactly. Quotations, good. Now, I have some big thoughts on Mom's whole thing here in a second. So then we cut back and into the to the future, as it were, and Vanessa has now been told this by Fisk. He is relaying to her what he did. And uh, my thought here is she's playing him, dude. See, no, I don't think she's playing him. This is something that we've differed on throughout the entirety of the show. I have a note here that Fisk can't see the monster he's become, but Vanessa sees the man inside of the monster. Maybe that's one way to read it, but I think... She has seen some things, and she has been with dudes that have wanted to try to play her. She knows Fist doesn't want to play her, but she knows that she can control him because of that. Because he is soft for her, but he's also powerful. And she is into that. And she knows she can wrap him around her little finger and get him to act however she wants... I, I don't think they betray her like that, though. He, it's not a betrayal of her. That's her getting him to do what she wants. And this is how she wants him. The character in the comics, either. He's the very the, loyal to her. And he's she, extremely loyal to her. And not for nothing, but she is no saint herself. No, she's not a saint herself, but more often than not, she is trying to get him to leave his life of crime in the comics. Hell. Yeah, this is definitely that a point changes we, at we, a certain point. Let me just put it that, put it that way. On in the Bendis, Vanessa, in the Bendis run, let's just say uh, plot thickens a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, so and, and and thinking of it this way, Fisk with Vanessa, he's just he's crying into the arms of another woman, like he was with his mother. Yeah, yeah, no, you could definitely draw that parallel. So, so you know, the crying kind of leads somewhere this time. Well. Hey, now, before we get to that, Matt meets Ben. Yes. Yurik, out in the rain by well, his not, car. Not Matt. Daredevil. Yurik meets Daredevil. Yes, proto-Daredevil. Um, and he says, I'll give you the name of everyone, that the guy at the top of all this. You know. Wilson you, you, Fisk. Wilson Fisk. Never heard of him. Yeah. So says uh, Ben Yurik. Now, they Ben, though, can read Matt and, and knows Matt is... is on the up and up and on the side of good, despite his reputation as, as, as of this moment. So, there, a new alliance is formed, as it were. Yes. Um, now we get to, again, the routine. Once again, Fisk making, waking up, 
making breakfast. But he's not alone this time. No, this time Vanessa is there, and there's there's a palpable sense of happiness in the scene this time. Yes, yes. Um, she seems happy. He seems happy. Uh, he goes to put on the cufflinks, and she says no. Yeah. Not those ones. These ones. Picks out a different ones. Vanessa changes Fisk's perspective, perspective of himself. Or at least... Hmm. Gives him enough... I don't, I don't know how to read this, to be honest with you. But she's definitely... Again, I, I think she's... She's molding and shaping him to a degree. So maybe that maybe she is kind of finding the inner good fisk. I don't know. Maybe you're right, but I I think she knows what she's doing. That's my take. I think she knows what she's doing too, but uh, you and I differ on what her motivations for doing those are. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. So as Ben is now writing a piece on Fisk because Matt yeah. says to bring him into the light. And this this monologue that's done is I think equally masterfully written and masterly performed. Okay. It's just really as like, you know, er, Yurik's giving us a monologue of the article that he is writing to expose Fisk. Right. As as the bad guy. And just as everything is going good. As he's writing the article, as he is typing the words, Fisk is on TV coming into the light as a benefactor and as a good guy. For Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Puts everything bad that's happened on Matt. Yes. On Daredevil. Exactly. And this is on all the television stations. Foggy is shown watching it. Karen is shown watching it. Ben is watching it. Matt uh, hearing it um, from his laptop. Yep. Um, And Fisk lays it all on the man in black and says that he is going to devote himself to fighting the man in black. Matt... Chucks the laptop across the room because he just got Matt, one up. Yep, by Matt has his Fisk. own old temper tantrum. Uh, so yeah, I think it's definitely safe to say that at this point Fisk is in control. Yes, it's a chess match, my friends, and right yep. now Matt is not winning. Right. So that brings this episode Daredevil to a close. That was the episode. Good episode. Very good episode. Um, any any parting thoughts on it? Um. No, just uh, just it's again great episode, and you it cements the uh, the character of Fisk. You understand him much better. Yes, dare I say? Even though it's, it sounds kind of like a knock, but it, it is kind of what he is. He's kind of a big man baby. <laughs> I'm going to go that far. I think he's a man in process, a man in you know in the middle of something. Yeah. Okay. He's 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 still evolving, and and so is Matt. Matt is not Daredevil, as it were, yet. Yeah. And Fisk, I would say, is not yet the kingpin yet. Exactly. So yeah, there All you right. go. Solid. Yes, very good episode, and that does it here for us at yes. the Devil's Due. Yes, yes, yes. Another good episode. If you would like to reach out and contact us, you can reach us at Twitter at Devil's Due Pod. Search Facebook for The Devil's Do or Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. Or you can email us, which has been surprisingly active See? for the show. Do more. People are emailing questions. And as you've seen from this episode and previous episodes, we are more than happy to read your questions on the air and answer them for you. You can email us at TheDevilsDoPod at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us. Court's adjourned. Court is adjourned.